video to kick us off. This was, um, the reason why I showed this video is because it kind of reminded me of a more serious topic. Uh, historically, when the Christians were persecuted in the first century, and uh, Nero, Emperor Nero, were about persecuting Christians because uh, he used Christians as a scapegoat for the uh, big fire that happened in Rome. Uh, uh, he threw the, the Christians into uh, the Colosseum, and uh, the, the Christians were uh, like basically uh, uh, crucified on the on the cross because he go they go well uh, Nero goes well his logic was if you guys believe in the crucified Christ and you believe in following Christ we'll just crucify you too so he uh, adds a, you just picture it lots of like uh, families children teenagers they were all on crosses in the middle of the Colosseum and uh, history um, wrote uh, Josephus one of the historians wrote that these Christians sang while they were on the cross. They sang song, one song though. We're not quite sure what the song is, but Josephus said they sang, and uh, they sang in joy while they were on the cross. And, uh, they, and while they were dying, all families, children, they were all on crosses dying because, and they, but they sang in joy. They sang to identify themselves and they were united in one voice. Uh, and so it kind of this scene kind of reminded me of that um, because there's no <laughs> scene to uh, emulate from the cause. You know, I couldn't find one. There was no movie that talked about Christians being persecuted in the first century. But so that's why I titled uh, this uh, uh, sermon today called Anthem, our anthem, because uh, the Christians back then in the first century, they sang an anthem. It was kind of like an anthem, right? Because they're united. They kept on singing this one song that they knew so well to identify who they are, to identify who they're following, their suffrage, their sufferings, providing reason for their suffering in that song. You follow? It's like the reason why we are suffering, they, they have that reason, it's found in that song. And so today, in chapter 31 and 32, we encounter Israel's song. And the funny thing about the Israel song is that they didn't write it. God gave it to them. God gave them this song to sing, an anthem. All right, so let's move, go, go into it. Moses now is 120 years old. He's in, um, you know, we're in chapter 31. He's 120 years old, and he's about to die. He's now in a stage in his life and career where it's about to end, and it's time to hand the baton off to a successor. Unfortunately, there is none. There was no successor. Joshua, when you say Joshua, pump in your head, no. He's not the successor. He was just the guy, the dude, who God appointed to just fulfill one task. And that was to take God's people into the promised land. That's it. End of story. We're done. Joshua's done. Is he there to do what Moses did? Because remember what Moses did for the past 40 years. He was God's appointed shepherd. He was God's appointed judge. He was God's appointed prophet, spokesperson, mediator, high priest, and also he was God's people's moral compass to keep God's people in line with God's will. Joshua, he was not given those roles. He was just told one thing, be strong and courageous, take the people into the promised land. Full stop, end story. Uh-oh, okay, so now that Moses' career is about to end, his life is about to end, who's going to take over then? Who's going to like, be the God's people? Who's going to put God's people in check? 
who or what will do the Moses thing? Funny thing is, God didn't appoint a person. He appointed a song. He gave them a song to sing. And this morning, I'm going to call it, I'm going to name the song. I'm going to call it the rock song. The rock anthem. Why? Well, I'll explain why soon. But first of all, since our title of the sermon is called the anthem, what is a national anthem? Right? Well, I, I, I did what any normal person would do. I Google it. So <laughs> dictionary.com, first thing that came up said this, a rousing or uplifting song identified with a particular group, body, or cause. Okay, that didn't help. Usually dictionary.com does not help at all. So <laughs> I, go, I go over to Wikipedia, right? And what does Wikipedia say? Well, a national anthem, also state anthem, national anthem, a national hymn, national song, etc., is generally a patriotic musical composition that evokes and eulogizes the history, traditions, and struggles through you, through, of its people, recognized either by a nation's government as the official national song or by convention through use by the people. So the key words for a national anthem then, in that, de that definition, which I like, is to evoke and eulogize. Evoke meaning evoking something, like a thought, or primarily an action, and eulogize, to remember things. So national anthems are supposed to evoke history, evoke tradition and suffrage and remember. Okay, let's quickly look at O Canada then. Our national anthem. All right, did I, do I have it on the slide? No, I don't. So some of you know it, some of you really don't. Right? Some of you, like me, at a hockey game, I just mumble, <laughs> right? And I hate it when that guy points the mic at us. No. You know, you know remember that guy who sings there and he goes like this? And then everybody goes, ah, here we go. All right. O Canada, our home and native land, true patriot love in all our sons command. With glowing hearts we see thee rise, the true north strong and free from far and wide. O Canada, oh, Winnipeggers, true north, right there, okay. Uh, we stand on guard for thee, God keep our land glorious and free. O Canada, we stand on guard for thee, O Canada, we stand on guard for thee. All right, let's take a look at this national anthem here. First of all, this national anthem evokes a good amount of patriotism, right? Uh, hey, true north. Right, strong and free. You know what? Uh, I think only Henry might know this because you took history, right? A little bit, you can't remember? <laughs> You're hiding, no. Okay, you know these words, true north, strong and free? They were actually marketing gimmicks. You know why? The, uh, the South were going through much trouble now. They were getting crowded. And uh, you know, up north the, uh, through that way is Toronto, right? Just up north is the, through the Michigan, Lake Michigan. So, you could tell that you know, all those uh, uh, states in the below are already getting crowded. So then the government was saying to them, saying, go north, it's true, it's free, it's strong. American language. So it's actually trying to entice people to go up there. But then once those pioneers went up there, do you know what's the first words that came out of their mouths? Damn, it's hot. I mean, cold. <laughs> right? Darn, man. No one told us it was this cold, freaking cold. Right? It's like, it's just so cold. But no one told them that. It was like a marketing gimmick to push them up. Also, true north. The states now is going through an industrial revolution. Everybody's going through an industrial revolution. And so uh, part of that industrial revolution is the moral decay. Right? And true north means that here's another opportunity, a renewed opportunity to reestablish your moral compass. Go, true north. See how it goes? That's the history of our anthem. It's actually a propaganda <laughs> a marketing gimmick. Uh, okay, okay, so that is one, but the, and then, uh, so that, 
but besides that point, the national anthem really conjures up reflections, to establish our patriotism, to just tell us who we are. Strong, free, true moral compass people. Can't really say that now, but you know what I mean. It's at that type. The American national anthem, what does that, one of the characteristics of the American national anthem is the fighting spirit, right? Rockets, Blair, right? And then it's like stars and everything. The, the victory dance, right? And so the American national anthem eulogizes, evokes action. It evokes some patriotism, but also a fighting spirit. That's why they always sing it in football games, <laughs> right? So hence, those are national anthems. I was wondering then, it occurred to me as I was preparing this, do Christians have a national anthem then? You know those folks that were uh, crucified, that were persecuted in the middle of the Colosseum, what were they singing? Right? Because if that was their anthem, that, that encouraged them to keep going and to endure the pain and to actually face death well, then shouldn't Christians today have an anthem? Something that unites us all in a global sphere? Because sooner, folks, sooner or later, as promised by Jesus, all Christians will be persecuted. There will be a day coming where all Christians will be persecuted at the same time. A big one. Do we have an anthem that could draw us together to face death well? To face our end that we, can only, we see end as just the beginning? That uh, an anthem reminding us who we are, where we came from, why we are suffering today, to explain our sufferings, and we can move forward? And that, folks, is why I named our sermon today anthem, our anthem. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30, 31, verses 20 to 20, oh no, sorry, verses 2. Let's go there first. First of all, let's just begin. Why the song? Why did, he give the, why did God give the song? Well, obviously, Moses is about to die, and he's about to be done. Uh, he's about to go to Dead Sea Spa and just relax in the salt and get exfoliated, you know? <laughs> All right. I am now 120 years old and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. So here's the problem. Moses will be gone soon. Who will lead them after Joshua has completed his task? Because that's the question. And unfortunately, there is no human being to take over. But God said that he will be with them throughout the rest of their lives and that they should not fear what lies ahead because he will go ahead. Okay, that's going to be, that's step one. He will go ahead. So what? How does he do that? Okay, let's go to verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Wow, he repeated that twice. You notice that? In the same breath, actually almost. Uh, he will always be with us. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and have courage. Be strong and have courage to live a life that loves and pleases God, even when things in life just doesn't makes it, things in life just makes it tough to do. Do not be afraid or terrified and missing out on opportunities. Do not have, have like, do not be, do not fear. Be strong and courageous when you have not enough, have when you don't have enough finances. Be strong and courageous even though things are not working out in your life. Be strong and courageous even though you just feel tempted to fall away from God. That's what God is telling the Israelites. Be strong and courageous. Stand firm, for I have gone before you. Wow. It means that what, this, what it speaks to me in this passage is that God is like a warrior. 
every time that I hear this passage that God has already gone before you, it means that, you know the poop storms that we face right now? Everything that we face? God has already experienced it. And he has overcome. He already claimed victory over things that, that we are facing today. And, our, and we don't even know what we're going to face tomorrow. But guess what? He already faced that as well. God has already experienced it. Wow. You know, the, folks, this is, a, this is the part of the passage where I always remind myself every time I, uh, you know, during my career, uh, like I, I feel that somebody betrayed me or backstabbed me or gossiped. Uh, to my detriment or compromise my integrity or compromise my uh, reputation, I always see that, hey, wait a minute. God already went before this. God already went through this. God claimed victory over this. And interesting enough, for those of you who are very keen on the New Testament and also very good Sunday school goers, who else went through it before us? Jesus. And lo and behold, Jesus is God. So God does practice what he preached. Jesus went through the same as well, didn't he? Ever felt betrayed? Jesus already did that. Ever felt hungry? Lack of uh, sustenance? Feel that you just don't have enough money to make it through the day? Jesus already been through that. Ever felt like uh, you just, uh, just felt alone? Everybody abandoned you? Jesus went through that. Ever faced death? Are you going through, are you facing death's door right now? Jesus went through that as well. And he claimed victory over it. So, God, telling the Israelites, be strong and courageous, why? Why does he say that? Because I've already gone through it and I already claimed victory. So we need a song for that, don't we? We need a song for that. We need a song that would actually reflect this truth, to remind the Israelites, to remind ourselves that we can be strong and courageous, can face death, can face all of life's challenges because God has already gone through it. God, therefore, God goes and says, you need a song to sing to remind yourselves of that then. Right? You don't need a person. You just need to be reminded. Okay, let's move on then. Let's begin on chapter 31, verse 20 to 22 and 29. When I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised on, on old to their ancestors, and when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. And when many disasters and calamities come on them, this song will testify against them because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. I know what they are disposed to do. Even before I bring them into the land, I promised them on oath. So Moses wrote down this song that day and, uh, and taught it to the Israelites. For I know that after my death, you are sure to become utterly corrupt and to turn away from, me, from the way I have commanded you. In days to come, disaster will fall on you because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord and arouse his anger by what your hands have made. Natural human tendency, right? When things get really honky-dory and lovely and things are going our way, we turn away from God. We forget to thank God and we acknowledge God that he's the one who gave us all this. And so God already predicted it. Once you hit to the promised land, you guys really need a song to sing to remind yourself why the poop story is happening now. Right? Why you guys are facing that? It's because you're rejecting me. It's because you forgot that to actually follow my ways. So let's get into the song. And here's why I call it the rock song. All right? Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4 to 7. He is the rock. Okay, there you go. He's explained it already. Right? <laughs> okay? This is why I call it the rock song. It's because the rock 
is exactly what God identifies himself as, is the rock. And he has repeated a few times. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame they are in a, a warped and crooked generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you. Your elders and they will explain to you. This song doesn't rhyme. You know? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, I, I cannot possibly sing this with Chris Tomlin tunes. You know? Like, I can't do this. But anyway. That's the beginning of the song. God is perfect. That's the first thing this song reminds us of and his people. God is perfect. He is the rock. What kind of rock? A perfect rock. A perfect foundation that we can hold on to and his ways are just. Hmm. It's a little difficult to picture justice as a rock, right? But think of it this way. Remember back then, how do people measure grain? They use scales, right? And what, what, okay, so the one side of the scale is green, the other side is rocks, weights, right? And so when God says he is the just rock, the perfect rock, he means that he doesn't cheat. He doesn't cheat on the other side of the scale. He won't put lighter rocks to make the grain heavier. He won't put heavier rocks. No, he's fair. He's just. You get, you follow? So he's the perfect rock. So whatever happens to us happens for a reason in his perfect reason. God is perfect. He says he's just and perfect. Whatever discipline he gives us, whatever uh, amounts of providence he gives us, is what we need. It's perfect. It's just. It's fair. So your talents, your personalities, everything that makes you uniquely you is perfect because God is perfect. God made you, and he's just, and he's fair. So this first rock, first of all, this rock evokes and eulogizes God, who God is. Perfect. All right, let's move on to the next verse in the song. Verse 13. He made him ride on the heights of the land and fed him with the fruit of the field. He nourished him with honey from the rock and with oil from the flinty crag, with curds and, and milk from herd and flock, and with fattened lambs and goats, with choice rams of Bashan and the finest kernels of wheat. You drank the foaming blood of the grape. Wow. God, so what's next about God? What, what are we to remember about God? God gives us the best. He, he doesn't give us what we want. He gives us the best. You, you get it? There's a difference. What we desire, what we want, what we wish for, is not necessarily the best for us. God gives us the best. Look at how he describes what he has given to the Israelites. Things that just, how can you draw honey from a rock, right? Or oil from a flinty crag? Which means that God can do anything. God can provide what we actually need and is best for us. Not to, actually, I shouldn't say what we need. It's actually what's best for us. He gives us perfect things. God is perfect. So he provides food and water, and wow, you foaming blood of the grape. I never described wine that way, but go for it, right? Like, the best of the best for us. So, we ha so the second thing that we need to be reminded of, of through this song, and why God gave us a song to remind us, is that we are reminded that God gives us the best. Not just what we need, not just what we desire, but he gives us the best. What we, is what's best for us. All right, let's move on. Verse 15, Jeshurun, 
Uh, same, it's another metaphor for Israelites, if you guys are curious. So Jeshurun grew fat and, and uh, kicked, filled with food. They became heavy and sleek. They abandoned the God who, uh, who made them and rejected the, the rock, their savior. And the following verse, verse 32 to 18, you deserted the rock who fathered you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. So what does this re uh, remind us of, of who God is? First, he's our savior. And also, <laughs> he created us. Right? God our creator, God our savior. Very few times back then, those things come together. All right? Gods don't just don't, don't, don't save what they create. All right, back then, God, like the gods back then, those who were um, back then, those uh, religions over there uh, in the in that century, they believe that God, that their gods, just wind up a toy. We're the toy. We we wind it and then oh, off you go, right? Wherever you head, you go. No, this God, our God, not only created us, but He also saves us. And so we are reminded in this song, the Israelites are reminded of this song that God saves us from us, ourselves. We fall into temptations all the time, don't we? We fall into uh, anger, frustrations. Um, we feel uh, just depressed uh, sometimes of just things are just not going our way. We have jealousy sometimes. Well, like Carmen says uh, when she was up here uh, leading us, any time we fall, even the things that we don't even know that we're about to fall, we can always be reminded that God saves us, that God can always God is always there with his waiting arms for us to come back to him, and we are saved from ourselves. And that is something that God wants us to remember, be reminded of in this song. He reminds us that he saved us because we are his creation, and he created us in his own image. He created us to enjoy life together. Um, like my previous sermon once said, he created us so that he could enjoy, don't worry about it, he created us so that he, could, that, we, that he could enjoy seeing and witnessing our life living it to the fullest. And that is truly amazing. All right, let's go on to the next one, verse 30 to 31. How could one man chase a thousand or two put to 10,000 to flight unless the rock has sold them, unless the Lord has given them up? For their rock is not like our rock, as even our enemies concede. Verse 37 to 39, he will say, now where are their gods? The rock they took refuge in. The gods who ate the, the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings. Let them rise up to help you. Let them give you shelter. See, now that I myself am he, there is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal and no one can deliver out of my hand. So what does God want to remind us uh, in this last part in his song? He is bigger than Thanos. Okay? <laughs> God is bigger than he. Thanos can only eliminate half of the universe. God can eliminate the entire universe. All right? Thanos needed infinity stones. God could just don't even need to snap. He just has to think of it. And that's it. Poof, gone. But God can also create. Thanos can't even do that. And uh, so what I mean by that, I'm just joking, but like, yes, in a joking manner, but remind ourselves that God actually is bigger than just mere what we could think of. God created, yet also, thank you, yet test. God can also destroy. What he gives, he could take. 
And God is reminding us full well that we are here because of his sustaining hand. It's a miracle that you wake up in the morning, folks. It's a miracle that our hearts continue to beat. Scientists and medical doctors still wonder about that. Like, how on earth do our hearts continue to beat, and how do we continue to wake up you know, time and time again? Because it's a miracle. We're on life support. How many times are they, do we see that, that when we reject God, basically, it's not because God wants to punish us or his wrath is against us, like I said last, uh, the last um, sermon. It's because we just uh, say, no more life support. We're going off on our own. And guess what happens? We die. That's what it is. So if we, uh, God really wants to say, remain in the life support system. Remain in the life support system. Don't reject the life support system because he can give life and he could take it away. He is the life support. And by his mercy and grace, with all the sins that we have already committed, he could have taken us off of life support. But by his mercy and grace, regardless whether you're a Krishna or not, till this day, he, like, yes, we face a lot of stuff. Yes, we face a lot of sufferings. Yes, there's disappointments. Yes, there, there, there's a lot of calamity and chaos out here. But guess what God says? It can be worse, actually. Because we live in a fallen world, and he is giving us a life support system that we could go through it. But once we take that off and go on our own way, we're going to face the full wrath of the fallen world. And that's not what God wants us to do. So therefore, God is reminding us, he is our rock, he's our savior, he provides our salvation, he's also our creator, yet he also he brings life, and he could take it away. So, we can now see that this song is kind of like a national anthem for the Israelites. It was to be sung often so that people can not only remember who God is, but also know why disaster is happening to them. Right? It kind of reminds them that, oh, the reason why the Hittites are actually attacking us and we're losing is because really we've been not depending on God. You know, that type of thing. So the song urges God's people to always just remind them of who God is, but also to evoke action, which is usually the action is to turn back to him, repent, and go back to the, and renew the covenant with him. To experience God's grace and mercy and reestablish the relationship with God so that they can prosper within the covenant. This anthem evokes more like a choice for the Israelites when the Israelites feel there is none. How many of us have said this to ourselves? We've sinned so bad that this sin cannot possibly be forgiven by God. Ever said that? That we've sinned the biggest sin ever and this cannot possibly be forgiven. Well, we're wrong. God says we're wrong because God does forgive. He, has, he is God. He can forgive us. And he, and he gives us that choice again to return back to him. Even though, sometimes for us, in our minuscule minds, we say there is no choice. Mo bon fat, right? Like, uh, you know, like, there is no choice in this matter. No, there is always a choice. And that one ultimate choice that we can always depend on is to choose God. And he can make things right. And when we get back to his covenant, we will prosper. Praise God for that. His grace and mercy is bountiful. Let's not underestimate that. His grace and mercy is plentiful. Like Jesus said, it overflows and goes right over the table, even to the scraps are enough for the dogs to eat. We cannot say to ourselves, God, you cannot possibly forgive us on that. No, that's just pride speaking. How can we possibly sin bigger than God? He's not Thanos. He's God. So how about now? Do we have an anthem? Well, I don't know. 
Uh, we sing these songs, but they don't really have anthem-ish type of qualities. Like, uh, it does, does, some of the songs do evoke and eulogize who God is, and I believe so. But uh, for centuries, actually, there was one. I don't know if it was sung, like, oh, Brian disappeared, but he could have helped me there. But there was this uh, creed that we sing, or that we say, uh, since first century. It was called the Apostles' Creed, and here it is. This is what Christians say before their services, long before we even existed. Yeah, it was in the first century. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, I don't know if that was sung back then, but this was said and stated and repeated often. However, to me personally, it's missing something. Yes, it reminds us of who we are in God. Yes, it reminds us of the story, the gospel story, and then how we are saved. But one thing I find that it's missing, and what anthems usually encourage is to evoke some action. To evoke action. Remember, it's eulogize and evoke. It definitely eulogizes God in the gospel, but does it evoke action? Because God really desires us to make move into action. Now, this action could be repentance. This action could be confession. This action could be turning our life back into God's hands or to reconcile with a neighbor or with our coworker, or with our family members. This action could be reflection for prayer, for, deep, uh, for digging deeper into our spiritual life. This action could be quietness. It's supposed to evoke action because like this song says, we must go, right? Live to feed the hungry, stand beside the broken. We must go. Stepping forward, keep us from just singing, move us into action, we must go. Fill us up, send us out to act justly every day, loving mercy in every way, walking humbly before you, God. You have shown us what you require. Freely we received, now we freely we will give. Some, to go, to move. Anthems, the songs that we sing, should make us move to something. Yes, we remember Jesus. Yes, we sing about his love and mercy and God's grace. But then, you know, just by reading who God is should actually make us to move. God is so big and awesome. He wants the best for us. Remain in his covenant and we will prosper, he says. That should make us do something. So, I don't mean to like create an anthem today. But, I, but here's a question for all of us. As we come to worship every Sunday, do we have that in mind when we sing songs? We encourage our worship leaders to pray over when they choose music for us to sing, to properly usher people into his presence. We encourage our worship teams to pray over it and to allow the Holy Spirit to impress in their hearts what song to sing for relevance. So they've already done their job, right? That like the songs is there. But for us, the people of God who sing alongside with them, to, come, to go into the presence of God, are we moved in some way into action? Are we encouraged or convicted to repent, to change our ways, to encourage us to reconcile with people after when we leave this church? 
Are we encouraged to feed the poor, to feed the hungry that who we know, to give this guy on the street uh, on the corner some money? Are we encouraged to do that after we sing, after we worship? Because God, we acknowledge who God is, this awesome God who gives and is generous with his grace and mercy, his providence. Does that move us to actually do the same? Because freely we receive, freely we should give. Anthems eulogize, yes, but most importantly, anthems should evoke us into action. So let's ask ourselves this question then, as we go forth again to continue worshiping every Sunday. Is, is whether it be here at Crucible Church or at another church somewhere else, when we come to worship, are we first reminded of who we are, who we are in God's presence, the re knowing full well why we suffer or going through tough times right now, but also to evoke action?